You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. You are entering an intriguing journey with spiritual lifestyle experts Keith and Charmé Amber, where you'll end up more at home with yourself, your behavior, and your understanding of life. Mastering Ourselves offers sound answers to life's tough questions so that life can make more sense to you and healthy directions become clearer. Keith and Charmé bring you over 80 years of seasoned experience. They pursue truth and insights that are neither left nor right, but spiritually sound and centered, and can be used as a spiritual compass to help you on your path. Welcome to Mastering Ourselves. Hi. Hi there. <laughs> we, we started last week, <clears throat> or perhaps the week before, Talking about uh, this topic that we didn't even get close to finishing, so it, it so much is the core of our message that we thought we would uh, carry on some more with it. And I had read an article out of Andrew Cohen's uh, What is Enlightenment magazine that he was talking about what they call higher consciousness, or we call what is enlightenment, and he asked these very key questions. What does higher consciousness have to do with the reality of our day-to-day problems? How can spiritual insights help us respond practically, appropriately, and efficiently to the real-life challenges of our world and trouble? Well, as I had said on another show when we talked about a number of these points, this isn't a difficult question for Keith and I to answer, <laughs> but, but to live it is a whole nother story, and it can take a very long time to literally live higher consciousness. But our whole purpose on Mastering Ourself is to help guide our loyal listeners uh, in what what path, what steps you take in your life day to day that will bring you into higher consciousness and why is higher consciousness a worthy goal? Why is uh, pursuing higher consciousness important and worth it? And on a soul level, it's nothing short of your key back to God is what it is. So... It, it's the same thing as um, knowing that perhaps you need to drink water and cleaner, better water, and you begin to change that. That's a spiritual development just in itself, and it will help many areas of your life. What you're talking about is basically in touch with your body, like deeply in touch with your body. Isn't that what you're saying? Yeah, and that's part of your spiritual development. Or part of your spiritual development is you get guidance. You get little nudges, and you follow the nudges, and they give, they put you on the freeway direct route instead of all the detours that take 15 times longer and 15 times more aggravating. You get the straight, direct route. In spiritual sensitizing, spiritual development, you begin to the veil between the guidance of that which knows and you and what your path is meant to be and what's wisest for the moment begins to get clearer and clearer and clearer. And also in this body-mind spirit, body-mind emotion development, you begin to get more attuned with what's just right for you, what balances you. Now, it's like... 
uh, I need a heavier meal right now, and then another day you might not want to eat the breakfast, you know, because it just isn't right, and you're, you don't know it, but something in you tells you, you know, not hungry, not hungry, and it's like your body is purifying at that time, little did you know, or sometimes you might know, and you start eating at 4 o'clock in the day, and everything feels good if you do that, but if you go to do your old routine, you, you just jam up your higher evolved process that's taken you to a higher place. You know, some of you might think, well, that's kind of silly. I know when I need a drink of water, but I read an article one day about a lady who had worked her way up as a um, reporter and TV anchor person somewhere. And she, you know, she'd gotten quite far along her path and suddenly her father came down with cancer and she made a decision to stop her life and go spend the last year of her father's life with him while he was dying. And, uh, and, and her mother, her mother and father were there. Uh, her and her mother took care of her father. She said that after she was there for a number of months, she realized that she, uh, at her job, could no longer taste anything, and she could no longer feel her emotions. Wow. So she was so tied into a knot uh, doing this career goal that she had lost her senses. And, you know, I don't even know... If you have access to intuition in that place, I can't even imagine because a lot of your intuition and your feeling of, you know, guidance and omens and whatnot comes through, you know, a, a feeling, you know, like right. it feels right or it feels wrong. So actually, you know, when Keith talks about higher consciousness um, being in part like you're in tune with yourself, that's what comes into mind because people... People have lost touch of themselves. You know, you talk about intuition, and uh, there's two types of intuition. There's one of your ego's, ego drive. You know, it's like I'm driving towards uh, something, and I, ooh, I know I should do this. So there's a, it almost comes like from your soul or something, or just from an innate wisdom or attunement. You can be quite stressed out and have some intuition that way, but most intuition comes from being more natural, more balanced, more open and focused. And then you get intuition not only from within, but from a higher source, too. Um, so there's two types. So are you ready for me to go on here? Well, I want to say, you know, walking the spiritual path and developing the, in the spiritual path you develop your connection to higher sensing, a higher knowing, a, a higher instinct, a higher intuition, more closely attuned with things, and you begin to fold that in to day, into the day and day common living. And so, um, it begins, you begin to walk the talk, you begin to walk spirit, and actually you can call it, you begin to be a center of life or a center of God's presence is actually what it gets to be more and more. Uh, so your steps just start being the right steps. They start being very correct. And you do that strong enough, and this is where they say that where masters have been or walked, there is more sacredness there even thousands of years later because they have walked a locked-in corrected frequency that just all of nature and spirit sings with. 
So that's that's how that works. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. We are Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. For those of you who are listening, uh, you can catch us on CRN 1 on all the days except Thursday, and Thursday airs on CRN 6. So the lady you were talking about, her drive to achieve and meet the standards drove over her. Boy, and you know, that is not higher consciousness. And people might say, well, what value is there to being enlightened or higher consciousness? And the value is, is you have more deep peace. It's not necessarily about materialism, though it can include materialism. It's about a deep peace that you have you're not attached, you are whole into yourself, and it doesn't matter what happens outside and around yourself, you hold your center and you are clear. And how does one get there? It takes many steps and a lifetime to achieve it. So she had hired consciousness, not higher consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) There he goes. And, you know, I just want to make a point. You don't want to lose your center or your overall highest priority of upgrading your life every day and sell out for the consciousness that, you know, whatever company you're hired in, if it's asking you to forsake your own God center. So, I mean, you gotta, you got to work and make the two worlds meet, but oftentimes hired consciousness takes you away from your higher consciousness if you don't put limitations and and balance it. And if you balance it really well... You can have hired consciousness where you're hired for a job and you can do quite well and quite extensive while still balancing your life. So I would like to talk for a bit about the importance uh, of maturing your emotions. And I know we talked about this some the other day, but I would like to hit on it from another angle because how important maturing emotions is in the process of becoming enlightened. Have you ever noticed that different people will be, will be predominantly have certain emotions? Like you might get around somebody and geez, they're just always depressed. It's like, you know, it just, anything will trigger it. And you know, it's kind of interesting today there's all these names for ADHD, ADD, AQPL, I think is why. <laughs> I'll tell you. There, you know, we get these press releases for all these new, oh, there's a new malady that's been found, and you want to do on a show on it? And I go, no. <laughs> I, you know, you're talking about pe- people's basic lessons, and it's interesting to me because as soon as you start labeling them like that, be- they become victims in our society. And as soon as they become victims and you want to offer them pills and whatnot, they stop looking at the lessons about why they have these particular emotions knocking around inside them more than others. You know, you can have four kids that are born into the same family. Even, let's say, a year apart, like there isn't a big difference in age. You can have one that is just constantly envious of everybody and everything all the time. I mean, they are driven by envy. You can have another one that is driven by fear. Same parents, same upbringing, but one of them is envy, one of them is fear. You can have one that is always shameful. I mean, she just, oh, she just can't ever shake it. It's just always a problem. 
And you get another one who just has just hate. I mean, the same conditions as everybody else, but this one just hates everything. Now, how do you answer? How do you how do you answer why you have four kids which with such diverse predominant emotions knocking around in the same parents and the same family? How do you explain that? You know, there used to be, and every now and then there's a cycle of it where it almost gets where totally everything that the parent, the children do and are are from the parents. It's the parents' fault. It's the, it comes sourced from the parents. But what Charmé is saying, and, and we've seen it many times, is you have different souls with different original talents uh, and different past lives and a whole different history coming into this lifetime learning different things. And if you study a family like Charmé suggests close enough, you'll begin to see how uh, each one plays off the other one to work their dynamics out. That. It, yes, and that's based on their pre-birth contract, and that's based on, you know, I'm going to come in and work with you. You know, I'm going to push your buttons, you're going to push that's my right. buttons, and together we're going to go forward unless we get stuck. You know, the, and, you know gets, getting stuck is something that happens a lot, too. Right. Well, the Bible says this. Jesus said something like, I come not to bring peace in your family, but um, diversity or, or father against son, mother against daughter. So that's part of the growth that families have for each other. And sometimes it's horrendous. Sometimes it's three of the four kids have a real big problem and the fourth one doesn't have much of a problem. It's all different various combinations. I mean, uh, think of having uh, three kids or ten kids and one kid just has everything going his or her way and all the other ones have problems what a what a perfect grounds to have jealousy and sibling rivalry to be worked down on so what happens with these kids is they literally have signed up these souls they have signed up to master hate for instance or envy in this particular lifetime and that's why they have that predominant it's a soul contract and they're working through their emotional you bodies mastering taming it that's right yeah okay you're listening to mastering ourselves we'll have to do more of this after the break with keith and Charmaine amber your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves. Thank you very much for staying with us. Let's go back to this now. Pre-birth contracts and our emotions. The reason why each of those four children had such diverse predominant emotions has nothing to do with the parents. It has to do with their soul saying, in this lifetime, I'm going to work on hate. Now, working on hate does not mean mastering your ability to hate somebody. <laughs> was, <laughs> that comes easy. Yeah, this is, we knew a person one time who'd mastered the ability to hate somebody, and it's not a healthy thing to do. You know, it's also on the flip side, not a healthy thing to deny your hate. That's not healthy either. What is healthy is being in a moment of hate or any negative emotion for a few minutes and then moving on. Where we get stuck is when we hate or get angry or disgusted or envy and we stay there or rage and we stay there for, you know, days, months, years, lifetimes. 
this is not enlightened behavior and this is a problem. So these four kids have come in with their own version of uh, their predominant emotions. Now I'd like you to think about yourself or those around you, close to you, and have you ever noticed that they keep having one or two predominant emotions? Like, does your husband, like, always get angry? Is that, like, the one that he's working on? Or do you notice, uh, uh, let's see, rage or shame or um, frustration? Do you notice somebody who just constantly is frustrated? Doesn't You know, you and that other person could be in the same situation and they would get frustrated and you wouldn't. Why is that? Because these are the predominant emotions that you're working on at the time. And when we talk about mastering them, we're talking about learning how to have the emotion briefly and move on. You know what that requires of you? To let go. To not let your ego get wrapped up inside of it. And to have the negative emotion briefly, to let go, and to move on. And that takes a mastery because your ego is convinced that you're right and you have every right to be jealous or hateful or envy or full of fear. So when you're talking about pre-birth contract, what that implies is that some part of us in our soul is self-determining. And... um so we're we're picking all this stuff. You know, we pass over in a lifetime and we choose what would be our best course of growth the next lifetime. So we self-determine that. Our soul self-determines exactly what it's going to condense a piece of it down to work through. You know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you'll say, well, I'm this way because my mother was. You know, I learned this from my mother. And usually it's, you know, oftentimes it's not really a compliment you're giving them, right? <laughs> but it's the other way around. Yeah, what they say, my mother was my teacher. <laughs> it wasn't the it, compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's the other way around, though. You have a mother that uh, that brought that out in your soul because you had that before you came down here. So you chose a mother who had that, that trait so that when you got here, it could be re- remembered in you so that you could bring it fully and anchor it on earth so that you could work on it. It, You know, this tendency that we have on earth of blaming our parents is misguided and isn't going to win you any points on the path to enlightenment. Whatever, Whatever it is that you brought in with you, your parents will help emphasize it so that you may see it and transform it. So we're self-determining before we come to earth, before we're born, into what family we we choose to grow in and what uh, lessons we want to learn. And we're ultimately to become self-responsible in that situation and fully functional then. So it goes from self-determined, here's, here's the uh, family school I need to be in, this particular dynamics. We become self-responsible and work our way through and finally become fully functional. We've done a good life then. So, how many of you notice that emotions own you? And what would it take for you to have an emotion surface and you have an ability to have that emotion briefly and then move on and it no longer owns you? How freeing is that? That's a great thing. And, you know, you work on it, you can make it happen, but no one else can make it happen. 
When we come back, we're going to talk about the value of throwing a fit around what, you know, an emotional fit around whatever's going on in your life and what, what points that wins you on your path to enlightenment. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmé Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. We're talking today about what does higher consciousness have to do with reality in our day-to-day problems. We'll talk more when we get back. So glad you decided to stay with us. We're talking about uh, pursuing uh, enlightenment and the emotional uh, challenges that we all bring with us. So it's like this. With the emotions, you're stranded in a desert. You just haul off and throw a fit. I don't want to be stranded in a desert. Etc. Etc. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, and you get it's all hot. It's horrible. There's no water. There's snakes. There's prickly things. There's all manner and of things. You're screaming and yelling and have all kinds of lousy thoughts, and you're just you're kicking and whatever. Then you get all done throwing your fit, and guess what? You're stranded in a desert. And you're exhausted. <laughs> you know when you think about it, folks. This is what we're doing in our life a lot of times. You know, you show up and you have like a trauma hit your life, like you've lost your job or or a more painful one. You've lost somebody who's very close to you. And right after that, you know, you throw this huge fit, you realize that you still have the same problem to deal with. It hasn't changed any. So you're throwing a fit hasn't really won you any points. You know, I know it's easy to say that, and it's a whole different thing to do something about it. But the thing of it is, is you aren't going to start doing something about it until you get enough solid intent that you're not going to allow your emotions to own you anymore and that you're going to start to uh, master your emotions better. And part of that, part of being on an enlightened path, is to master your emotions so that you're not wasting all this energy on throwing the fit in the middle of whatever it is that you... Uh, is being presented to you whatever lessons are on your platter. I used to work a job with somebody that just every now and then really made me angry. And I learned over time it just did no good to talk to them about it because they would just convolute it and it just got worse and worse. So what I figured out to do was to... Go take a walk, and in that job, I could go work and walk, you know, so I could do two things at once, checking a bunch of things. So I would go walk, and I would find places where nobody else was around, and I would just have it out with that person uh, with not hatred or ill will, but just, you know, I need to get this garbage take junk out of me. So you'd be, you know, if you... Could be a mouse in the corner. You'd be seeing it. <laughs> and you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, I'd come back and uh, I could talk clearly, constructively. The thing passed. It just was really smooth. I didn't have a backlog that I wanted to just, uh, you know, clock them with. And whether they did or not, uh, we could get through it real easily because I went and cleared myself. I cleared my garbage load of uh, frustration and everything and you know basically 
sometimes I'd come back and, you know, before I got back, I'd just have the realization, well, this person uh, is here and, and they hit on me this way and I have this reaction and they have their reaction. And so I, I need to deal with me and I must be a very different bird, a fly different than they do and it strikes them bad. And so we're simply learning how to adjust to each other for whatever reason. And that's a good enough goal. So... No matter who's right or wrong, that became not the issue. It became the issue of deal with myself, get the backlog out, go have a constructive conversation if they were ready, uh, I was, and then and then it, just like magic, you just move on. So if we're going to be stranded in a desert or with a, a spouse that's challenging, a child, a job, a pet, a house, a neighbor, vacation, you name it, whatever circumstances, and we're going to try to not throw a fit and deal with the fact that we're stranded in our particular desert, how do we go about doing that? So here are some constructive ways for you to start to mature your emotions and not get lost. Keith... Go ahead. Well, what I was describing is a constructive fit in the situation. Yes, exactly. And, you know, sometimes, it's, you know, hopefully we don't have to go do that. But sometimes you're so torqued and so backlogged and so tied into it that if you don't do that, it just gets worse. Yes. So this wasn't about not no, being no. a good idea. But, in fact, what you're talking about, Keith, is... Throwing the fit fast and hard and then moving on and getting getting into solving it rather than simmering with it forever, which is really, really healthy. Yeah. That's like you throw a fit, you do it quickly, and then you go deal with it. And here are some of the ways that you can deal with it. First of all, you want to learn how to see the bigger picture. You want to understand that the reason that you're stranded in this particular desert with the spouse, with this difficult child, a difficult job, a difficult pet, whatever it is, the reason that you're here in this situation is because you've got lessons to learn and that it is your job to figure out solutions, which sometimes mean you have to change parts of yourself. I remember we had a caller call in a couple months ago, and she said, I want to get a different job. And there were no doors getting opened for her. It was really clear that no she doors. She needed to stay at that job and work some issues right. out. And I finally said to her, what part of you would you have to change for this job to no longer irritate you? And she paused for a minute, and then she said, yeah, I know what part. <laughs> you know, I didn't even ask her what it was. You know, these things are embarrassing for people, right? She says, yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, it wasn't that perky, though. <laughs> yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, we've all been there. And, and, Good clue. Uh, <laughs> and I said to her, if you change that, then the job isn't going to matter anymore. And, you know, and I could hear, I could hear the disappointment in her because, you know, and I'm sure you've all found yourself in the same place. You go, oh God, here we are back at that again and I have to change that and I'm all, I'm all wrapped into it. I'm all attached to it and my ego's all wrapped around it and, you know, I'm going to have to give something up in order to change that part of me and, you know, the problem is is that whatever that lesson is for you, it's just going to keep coming up until we deal with it. 
You know, we've been dealing with uh, these kind of things and helping other people deal with these kind of things for many, many years. What we have found to be true so far is every predicament always has a legitimate reason (laughs) that you have that predicament. So what we have found a shortcut is don't bother judging it or blaming it or whatever. Just deal with it, deal with it, deal with it, and get over your smaller attitudes and, and, and judgments and that kind of thing. That's the fast track to spiritual growth and getting out of lousy entanglements. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, helping humanity wake up one show at a time, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. We're talking about what does higher consciousness have to do with the reality of our day-to-day life, or what value is it to pursue uh, enlightenment? So if you're waiting for it to be fear and you're going to judge it and, and be bitter and resentment and wedged in a, in a corner stuck inside your own personality because you're waiting for it to be fair, it's unfair, it's unjust, you might have a long wait <laughs> and you have no idea what you've done in past lives. And invariably there's some real clear obvious reason that brought you into this particular karmic situation. So once again... If you can always assume that it's a legitimate reason why you have this in your life and get off your negative reaction to it, negative judging and whatnot, you can move through these things and you don't have to spend near as long a time. It takes a big person with big choices to do that, though. You know, it's pretty. Just what Keith was saying, it is um, so important for you to live in this knowing Somehow I brought this stranded in the desert version of mine to myself somehow. Somehow I did something to earn this lesson. If you have a will, a deep willingness to own that to be true, you gotta get out, you gotta climb out of victim, cause victim won't get you there. Victim will keep you stuck. If you can get out of that and be willing to see your underlying lesson of why I'm in these circumstances, what I need to embrace, you will get yourself out of jail much faster. And it takes a willingness for you to open that door and say, Wow, I earned this. I must have some underlying lesson that I need to learn inside myself to get free and move on. There's no get-out-of-jail-free cards. You must work your way through it and earn your freedom in a quality, functional way of carrying your life through. Here's another step you can take. You can force yourself to get into the other person's perspective, which will require of you to get past your righteousness. It's difficult to see the opposing person's point of view when you're stuck in being right. Because there's this ego mechanism called, well... Only one of us can be right. (laughs) You know, righteousness is a stickler. It will stick you next to your problem if you keep righteous about it because you're judging it. And whatever you have a amount of focus on, positive or negative, you keep it right in your life. The next thing you want to do is have a goal that is so much bigger than the little stuff that the little stuff doesn't matter anymore. That's a very big one. That, that really does a lot of good. It's huge. You, you begin to see your little puny ego or selfishness or little conveniences compared to this 
major benefit that could be done somewhere else or for somebody else that really could use it, you begin to see those things, you know, it's, I don't have to squawk and whine anymore. That's right. I don't have to be owned by that. You know how you win when emotions don't own you anymore? Do you ever notice, particularly, let's see, there's two sides of us. Do you ever notice the negative emotions, how draining they are, how exhausting they are, and uh, that they just consume your energy without generally winning any points? On the flip side, do you know if you're one of these people that's constantly bopping around in joy or other of the higher emotions and you're not touching your, the ground, how much more valuable, valuable it is to be more in a balanced place? You know, with emotions, you want to find balance in the end, not necessarily the highs, not necessarily the lows, but a balanced place where you're feeling your emotions, but they don't own you. And people can't just push your buttons. You ever notice people that you just know you can say certain things and you're just going to get them riled up and going? How would you like to not be that person? So there's three ways you could be basically if you're going to have, you want to categorize like this. You could be sort of low or sort of high or balanced. And what Charmaine and I have observed is if you're high all the time, you exhaust you and others around you because it's not balanced. Now, if it comes out of balance, it works out mostly fine. But if it comes out of uh, high, 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 it's like something you push yourself on. You know, some people do that to bury their depression. You know, it's a cover for the depression. They're actually depressed, but they carry this high with them. Or it's how some people, you know, they... Uh, present themselves to life, which is very nice, but it's not necessarily balanced. So Charmaine and I, you know, pretty uh, reasonably developed spiritually, will be by these people that are high and delightful to be around, and after not too long a time, we find out that it is, it is exhausting because they're not a wholesome high. They're a forced high for some other ulterior reason. So let's just recap emotions here before the break. Keith brought up one where you go off all by yourself and vent out whatever negativity is going on so that you can get see more clearly and move on through it. And let's say you're just you're going to allow yourself 10 minutes of that, you know, outburst and then you're going to just settle down and look for what your lessons are and deal with it in a sane centered manner. So that means you take a timer and you give yourself 10 minutes and that's it. You just, you just do not allow yourself to keep in there. Secondly, another good thing is write a letter. Write it down. You got, you got a bee, a bee in your bonnet on somebody. Sit down and write them a letter, but do not send it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told them. <laughs> yeah, get it off your chest and get it articulated. You know, sometimes we simply need to be heard. And like so many ways on a psychological level, if somebody else isn't going to hear you, then your own maturity needs to step in as a second person to hear you and to express you so that you don't have that charge stuck in you. And you can do this for yourself, just like raising your inner child. It takes two of you inside of you to do it, not one. Write a letter. Write five letters. Do whatever it takes. Until it stabilizes and, and just doesn't want to express but, anymore. But, you know, notice that as you're writing the letter, 
pretty soon you start seeing other perspectives. <laughs> yeah. Pretty soon you start going, well, maybe I did contribute to the problem. I pushed maybe, it a little far, I guess. <laughs> maybe I. Maybe maybe it wasn't all Martha. Maybe I was part of the problem too. Now you got to realize, folks, that so much of this we don't even see our own part of it, and some of it's because we're blind to our own ignorant, off balance, and other parts of it is. They're responding to a subconscious part of us, which is oftentimes an imbalanced soul pattern we have or imbalanced lifetimes just beneath the surface. So it's subconscious. So we're off in one consciousness, and we have these subconscious parts of us really off balance, and that's what the other people are responding to. And and most people just don't know that. So if you can own that there must be some reason why this is happening and keep trying to work through it and the more humble and the more earnest and the more intelligent application you're going to get through this thing shed the victim yeah shed the victim every time you shed the victim you open a door that says well if i'm not a victim then this happened for a reason yes shed the victim it's not winning you any points anywhere you're listening to Mastering Ourselves. We thank you very much for joining us tonight. We are your spiritual lifestyle experts. We are helping humanity wake up one show at a time, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN, and we'll be right back. Probably the uh, one of the most important things that humanity as a whole could do is shed the illusion of victimhood. Make when, a big difference. Oh, when you when you realize that every single moment is within perfection somehow, and and therefore you begin to look at why what the perfection is of that moment, and then you have a key that opens the door to the inner lessons. You know, like this letter we were suggesting you write. If you do it properly. In other words, you're not just doing it to get it off your chest and to keep pointing at the other person, but you're doing it to start getting yourself to the underlying layers where you start being honest with yourself, you know, on, well, you know, there was this part of me that was a problem, and you start looking into that side of it. That's when you've really used that tool well. The folly of victimhood is that anybody who holds themselves a victim will never, ever attain deep inner peace and freedom ever because to find deep peace and freedom one must let go of being the victim and find the underlying lesson learn it and that door that is the door to peace and freedom so if you have a friend or a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist a psychologist a minister who supports you in being a victim they will only be able to take you so far in your quest for true Inner freedom. To truly get free, you must own why the experience has happened, what your lessons are, and what the karma is. There are a lot of people these days talking about the value of forgiveness, and many of them, most of them, don't take this next level of that the experience happened for a reason. Yes, it's great to forgive, but even more valuable is understanding what what in you caused it to happen because then you'll realize there's nothing to forgive. They were simply there to present your lesson to them, to so, you. So as you forgave them, you released yourself. 
Yeah, and you know, forgiving them is one step, but until you actually see your lesson and learn the lesson, you're going to keep repeating the same problem. Case in point, and you've heard of this, uh, people being imprisoned uh, wrongfully, rape or murder or whatnot. Yep. And years and years and years, and finally, for some reason, whether it's legitimate or not, they're freed. And we've we've uh, tracked some of these people, and you know, they're run over by a car within a month. Or whatever. And, you know, so when we tune into their soul and, and whatnot, we see the past life where they were, they actually did what they were accused of this lifetime, but they got away with that lifetime and they didn't adjust themselves. They carried on with very, being very destructive and cheating their fellow man, being cruel to, cruel to their fellow man. So they were unjust and they didn't get punished then and it carried over the next lifetime. And life was unjust and punished them seemingly unfairly. But I'm telling you, uh, if you had the view of the higher guides who can see everything going on, pretty much everything is fair. Bank on it and work as if that's true. So, you know, instead of going, oh, these poor people, I know they didn't do it or whatnot, you go, hmm, they got in here for some reason. And if you're in a predicament for some reason, something, some shift, some new lesson, some new enlightened way to see things that's different is trying to get through to you. And some people are, you know, so stuck on fairness that they don't realize that it is fair just, you know, in another lifetime. And so they don't move because they're righteously stuck. This is not fair. Then you can get softened and release it. And doesn't matter if it's fair or not, you know, if you get this really right, you go, I'm very sorry for whatever I had done to be a part of this, even though I'm imprisoned unfairly. Once you get there, you can really move out of it fast. Beautiful. Hey, folks, thank you very, very much for opening your hearts and your minds and your homes to our message. And may it help nudge you along your spiritual path that we all, as the uh, human family, can become more awake day by day. Now remember, you can do it. Stretch into the greater you. It's there if you just like step up to the plate every single day. We love you and we'll see you tomorrow.